Well, my name is Caleb Landon. You might recognize me. I was here about two minutes ago. <laughs> um, and I'm really excited to be part of this night here tonight. You know, when they first called me, I wasn't sure if they had the right person. Uh, but I don't know any other Caleb's, so here I am. <laughs> but tonight's really not about me. It's not even about the families or the parents. It's about you. You guys graduating, and, and that's a big deal. Four years in one place. It's a long time, especially when you're only 17 or 18 years old. Um, and now you're free, right? Or not exactly, because you have another four years of school. Which is awesome. Um, maybe some of you have your colleges picked up, maybe some of you don't. But college is definitely different than high school. Uh, those who have gone before know that. I, I found a few of these online. Uh, granted, I went to college myself, and most of these are true. So, uh, in college, when you miss a class or two or three, you don't need a note from your parents saying that you were skipping, I mean, that you were sick that day. Uh, in high school, freshman guys hit on senior girls. In college, senior guys hit on freshman girls. In college, we can't start on Thursday. That's always an added bonus. Uh, college men are cuter than high school boys, ladies. It's good to know. I, uh, find that out. In high school, you can't go out to lunch because you don't have the money. Oh no, actually, I told him this joke up. It's not allowed sometimes in high school, right? The one I went to, uh, I had to be a senior uh, to go to go out. The first three years, I couldn't go out. And you're still allowed to. In college, though, you can't go out because you just can't afford it. <laughs> Living off ramen or whatever it is. I did. Uh, in high school, it never took three or four weeks for, for to get money from mom or dad. And uh, last one, in college, nobody tells you that you can't eat pizza three times a day. You all kinds of toppings on pizza. It makes it healthy. <laughs> But college, that's not the end of life either, right? Um, it, it seems that we all follow this pattern in life, right? Um, we were born, and then we learn how to walk, and then you go to school, and more school, and then you graduate high school, and then after high school is college, and after college you find a career, and then you find a job, and then after your job you find somebody you love, and you marry them, and then you decide if you want to have kids. You have one baby, two babies, lots of babies, whatever you guys decide to do. So then you watch them grow up. And then they live in the house, and then you hit your midlife crisis, right? Which I haven't gotten there yet, so I, I don't know. But guys, I think from what I've understood, we go out and buy the Porsche or the Corvette, and uh, girls, um, more clothes, I guess, or maybe you go buy a vacation house, um, whatever it is. And then you become grandparents, and then you die. <laughs> so you have to look forward to. Well, you ever feel like there's a schedule in life, right? And, and we have to, like, we're just clicking from one thing to the next, to the next. What's next in my week? What's next in my month? What's next in my year? And, and, and to be honest, most of us actually don't know what we're doing. We're, we're figuring it out as we go. But for some reason, we like to pretend like we know what's happening. Like, we know that I know what I'm doing, and I, I like to pretend that way. Because it's cool to look that way. It's cool to look busy. And why? Because it's physical. It's what we see. We're tangible creatures. But that's actually not what life is really about. That's just the surface. You ever notice in a photo album, um, you always see happy pictures, right? There's like Charlie's first birthday, and then there's Charlie's second birthday, and then there's like the new house, and the new car, and, and the parties, and the graduations, and the friends, and the parties. Everything is happy, and that's good. But you never see an angry, sad, or depressed picture, right? <laughs> Who wants to show that? But I'll tell you what, what gets you from this photo to this one is what happens underneath. Uh, 
maybe it's a divorce that happened. Maybe it's a cancer that hit your family. It's the sacrifices that your mom or your dad have made for you. It's the sacrifices you've made for yourself. Uh, it's the, the advice you've chosen to listen to, the people that have invested in your life, and, and the people that you're going to invest in later on. Uh, that's the stuff that defines you as a person. It will make you strong or weak. You will be remembered for something in this community, in humanity, or you will be remembered for nothing. But, but we're such physical creatures, uh, we so easily forget that, right? I think in life we all have similar desires. We may be very different people, but we have similar desires, these, these intrinsic cravings, as it were. Um, and we try to fill these cravings with tangible stuff. It's the newest car, it's the newest fashion, but you know, you well know that, is la that lasts until 2012 comes along and you gotta get the newest thing again. That stuff is temporary, it's like the seasons, it changes. Um, and, and I actually believe that these longings that we have, they move us towards something that is bigger than ourselves. Much, much bigger than ourselves. And, and in that moment, I don't think we realize it, but, but that's where it's pushing us, and we're actually most fulfilled when we give our lives away. And in the same way, we have these, these, these physical needs, the need to eat, and to drink, and to breathe. You know, eventually we get hungry enough, and we're gonna go to In-N-Out, or wherever you guys go, uh, and, and, and feed that hunger, and eventually you get thirsty enough and you're going to find something to quench your thirst and eventually you start to suffocate when you don't have oxygen. And that, that physical determination that we have that helps us meet those needs, I believe it's even more powerful and even greater when we start to listen to our soul. And all of us have these intrinsic cravings, the, the need for love, to, to belong and to connect and uh, and a craving for meaning. We want to make sense of our lives. We want to find somebody that we can trust in, um, to find truth, and, and for destiny. Uh, uh, this is the biggest part for me. I think we all want to know. I want to know that my life actually matters, and I can make a difference, not just for me, but I can actually write pages of history, that I can find something significant to do, and not just go through my life like this routine. Uh, but the thing is, no matter what happens, no matter what we experience in this life, and no matter what we attain, no matter what we find, no matter who we find, we'll never, never experience and find that unconditional love um, and that meaning that helps us overcome every tragedy and, and that ultimate sense of destiny, what you were created to do until you find your connectedness to God. Our, our souls are, are, are driven to find God. And we all have, you know, these unique stories, but we're also... Like I said earlier, part of a bigger story. It's God's story. And as we begin to discover who we are, uh, we begin to discover that we were ultimately created for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and John, John 14, he, uh, you might know the scripture. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And you know, he's the one who started our story. And I believe that he's the one who will finish it well. And tonight, I, I wanted to remind you of the incredible potential all of you have. I know it sounds cheesy. You might read that on like a bumper sticker, a motivational poster. But um, it's, you have influence. And it's something you will always have no matter what your standing is in society, no matter how rich, no matter how poor, no matter how fat, no matter how skinny you are, you will always have influence. Gerard Miller, um, an author back in the 1800s, way back then, right? Before the wheel was invented probably. Um, he said this about influence. There have been meetings of only a moment which have left impressions for life 
and for eternity. No one can understand that mysterious thing we call influence, yet every one of us continually exerts influence, either to heal and to bless, to leave marks of beauty, or to wound, to hurt, to poison, or to stain other lives. You see, we're always influencing. Um, and I hope that doesn't make you paranoid. Uh, I hope that encourages you and adds to your worth that you have the ability to write history. Uh, and every decision you make leads to your next moment. And you, you see, the thing is, every moment is connected. Um, and this is what I was saying earlier. We, we're so prone to just leaning into routines and just clicking through life, high school and then college, and, uh, and you're just so focused on the next thing. Your, your life is just ordinary and mundane. It becomes this, this, this sort of checklist. And there's an echo. There's like three of you right now. That's all. Think about this. At, at this very moment, it's possible that somebody is discovering the cure to cancer or the cure to AIDS. I guarantee you at this moment, there's somebody proposing to the love of their life. And also in this moment, there's somebody on their deathbed passing from this life to the next. And you see, when we start to treat our lives with a sense of expectancy, expecting and, and being in a moment, well, incredible things happen. And the thing is, um, you rarely, rarely know the, the lasting, the, like, the eternal significance of a moment up front. And it looks ordinary to you when you, when you first encounter it. But, but you got to remember, all these moments are connected. They're never isolated. And the most important moments rarely come at a convenient time. I want to remind you of a story. In the Bible. Um, it's taken out of John 5. And it's a story when Jesus feeds the 5,000. You kind of know that story a little bit. So there are these people. 5,000 of them, or maybe more, I'm coming towards Jesus and his disciples, and he's on this hill. And people are coming towards him because they know, and they heard, that he does miracles. And cool, maybe he can heal my mom, or maybe he can heal me. Um, and been, they were there for a, a long period of the day, and they became hungry. Um, so Jesus asked his disciples, well, we've got to feed him, so what are we going to do? And if you know the story, it's, it's about a boy with five loaves and two fishes, right? And Jesus feeds this crowd. With that, he prays over the bread, and it like multiplies, feeds everybody, and then he has leftovers. But I want to I want to point out the boy for a second. Um, he didn't do anything really. He's just a little kid who woke up that morning and probably decided I want to go check out who this Jesus guy is, or maybe his mom dragged him along. Um, and when he packed his lunch or whatever that was, I don't think he thought about, hey, this is probably going to feed five thousand people today because I have a feeling. Jesus is going to run out of food, and then I will be etched in the pages of history forever. <laughs> he had none of that in his head, right? The only thing he did, the only thing, was he was there, and he was somehow active, and found himself at the front of the crowd, close enough to the disciples where they noticed him. And I think in life we, we like underestimate the importance of presence, of not physically, I'm not talking about physically, because we'll always show up if we need to be somewhere. But I'm talking mentally and, and, and in your soul. Are you, as you, are you actually here right now? Or are you thinking about your day tonight? Or about prom? Or about where you're going to school? What I'm talking about is the, the, the power of proximity. 
And when you're present, really present, all kinds of opportunities open up. Because you can start to see them. They start to, uh, all of a sudden, you're, you're, your eyes are open. And so many times, if you don't feel like God's in your life or, or you don't sense Him, so many times it's, it's only because you're all the way down here. And yeah, you may believe in God and uh, He's up there and I'm down here and I pray every now and then and that's cool. But I don't actually sense anything. And, and it's only, only because you're not mentally present. The, the most the most important thing you can do in life that I've found is to have a relationship with God. Uh, not this sort of he's up there, I'm down here, but a, a relationship. Uh, something that you, you talk and you pray and, and it's a two-way conversation. And, and, and when God needs something to be done in this world um, and to make a difference in humanity, he's not going to use you because you're down here. He's going to use the person that was close enough to be invited into the moment. And he doesn't use you not because you're not skilled enough, not because you don't have a plan, not because you're not confident enough, not because you don't have resources, not because you're not good-looking enough or, or skinny enough or whatever it is. It's none of those reasons. It's only because you weren't close enough to be invited into the moment. And the story, the thing that blows my mind is God did more with this little kid, this who had less. He didn't have anything, not to mention he didn't really know what he was getting into. He was just there. Um, I think most of the times, oftentimes, I expect God to use the person, the people, the organization that has the most resources, um, who has all the connections. But God doesn't do that. He uses the people that are available. And maybe tonight, um, what has to shift in your hearts and in your lives is not that you can get more and do more, but to recognize that God can take what you have and do something extraordinary. You don't need to have it all together. You don't need to have all your dots connected right now. Our lives are incredibly, incredibly important. Um, I really believe we are, we're born as extraordinary human beings. And it says we're made in the image of God. But somehow over the years we've become uh, like numb and, and angry and irritated and we start to live in reaction to everything that's happening around us instead of the ones writing history, instead of the ones making the decisions. I, I want to remind you that you are daughters and sons of a God that's huge. It's easy to forget that. I forget that. And we can do incredible things when we lean on them. So I hope tonight um, you don't have to know what you're doing. Um, you don't have to have a plan right now. And if you do, that's awesome. That's good. That's it. Run with it. Do what you love. That's for sure. Do what makes you happy. Um, but when you chase after God and when you are here in a moment, I'll challenge you. Put him to the test and see what happens. Let's pray. God, tonight we are here, and I pray that for these students that you would increase their wisdom and their passion, their creativity, that you would give them more of that. Remind them who they are in you, 
And Lord, I know that some of these people in this room, they, it may, they may be Winston Churchill or, a, or Mother Teresa or a Richard Branson, or, uh, but maybe some of us, some of these students in this room will just be like the boy who has five bowls and two fishes. But if that's what you give us, then that is what we want to give back to you. Um, I pray that, that you'd remind us, God, that we're not limited by, you're not limited by what we have, how much or how little we have, but by how much we trust and believe and lean on you. So I pray you would uh, give these students confidence. Let their souls rest in you, Lord. And, uh, we thank you for life. I thank you for life. And, and I pray these, these students would be raised up, Lord, and to write pages of history in this community and on humanity. And I love you. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.